Welcome back to Compassion Revolution Podcast, my friends. In this series, we're going to prepare you for the Compassion Revolution Conference on the 24th and 25th of October. You can grab your ticket at CompassionRevolution.care. Our theme in 2023 is Making Work Beautiful. Join me and some of our extraordinary speakers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Compassion Revolution Podcast. So today we are being joined by K.A. McKercher, which I am so excited about. Last time K.A. and I had a conversation, it just left me buzzing and thinking so deeply for so long. K.A. is a co-design facilitator, a trainer and supervisor, but you may know them from Beyond Sticky Notes. So let's find out what K.A. is up to. Hi, K.A. Hey, thanks for having me. First off, I want to, what land are you on? Where are you? I am on Gadigal and Wangal country in so-called Sydney. Fabulous. And we record our podcast on Ghana country here in Adelaide. So the sun is shining here. Is the sun shining there? No, (laughs) it's just not. (laughs) But of course, it is shining on Ghana country, one of my favourite places in Australia. Yeah, it is. I sat and had a coffee this morning with a little ray of sunshine on me. Hey, I am so in awe of the work that you do and really appreciative that you're going to come and spend some time at Making Work Beautiful, our conference in October. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the work that you have done recently with New South Wales Ministry of Health in the production of All of Us. So maybe you could tell us what All of Us is and we can chat about that for a bit. So All of Us is a guide to, I guess, better engaging, engaging with more care, more respect, more dignity, consumers, carers and communities across New South Wales, across New South Wales Health. We have a lot of meetings (laughs) Mm-hmm. in our organizations and in our systems and i hate meetings i, I hate do. them most of the time <laughs> they're mostly awful i really dislike and i know others do too not being noticed very much in the work not being very welcome or that there's one way that we can be and one activity that we're allowed to do so all of us comes really from the the amazing sponsorship of Anne-Marie Hadley from New South Wales Health and the work of my dear friends and colleagues, uh, Sue Mellor, Lucy Clippin, and our wonderful co-design team um, who worked with us over about maybe six, seven, eight, nine months to imagine how we would like to be together a little bit differently when we're doing service design and improvement and innovation work and really what the core ingredients of that are and that was the metaphor that came up that could help us get out of all the corporate language about engagement and engaging together and into like a recipe what are the things that just have to be there that we just have to do and we can bring our own flavors to that from a community specific or a a geographic specific angle because i noticed that uh, you actually do talk about ingredients in it, mm. don't you? There's kind of six, I think there are six key things. Well, before you tell us a little bit about kind of what, you know, what's in that, um, it's not even a document, really. It's a website. It's a living, breathing way of working. 
That's what I love about it. But before we before we go there, what's happened to us that we have, like I speak to people now who tell me they are in Teams meetings all day, like back to back Teams meetings, and then they try and cram in work and how has it become so transactional? Look, there's there's a degree of having little to no imagination anymore, I think, for the ways that we decide to work together or picking the format before we even think about the purpose. So if we're really thinking about the purpose, we might start there and then decide on format, not say, well, let's have a meeting and go from there. Yes, we become almost fixated on like our toolkit, a bag of kit, you know, a bag of things. Like these are the things we could do. Which one will we do? Well, what is? What are you actually hoping? Where are you heading? And what are you hoping to achieve? It's also this this thing for so many of us, and I recognise this as a, a neurodivergent experience, or at least my own, of often not feeling well prepared enough for what we're about to meet on anyway. So we're coming straight here, we're being asked questions, it's all very fast and we haven't really had the chance to catch up in mind or in body and suddenly the decision's been made and we're all moving on. It's a freaky feeling, isn't it? And it, you, I just had a kind of visceral kind of feeling in my body when you said that because last week I got invited to do a presentation to a very large group of leaders and I literally was asked to run, like physically run, because they had, you know, uh, the meeting was running ahead of time and they could get me on earlier. So it was like, quick, quick, quick. So I, I was like clipping at a really fast pace and then the door opened. They're like, right, you're on. <laughs> I felt like, like my body and my brain hadn't caught up with each other. And this thing of like tr just trying to prepare ourselves to do the work, like the work we're doing, the work that, and the, all those people in my community that are listening, the work that you're doing is really, really important. And then there's this, like just the ripping through it and trying to get a whole lot done. And people are coming home at the end of the day with a feeling that they didn't really deliver the best work and not feeling great about that. When, how can you deliver the best work if you're, you know, working to these unreasonable deadlines? And and I think particularly in any kind of co-design, but all of our work together, there's also the noticing of what we need if we're the facilitators or hosts or coordinators to feel like we can come into the space and be with folks. And then there's what the other folks coming into the space feel like they need to be with us in that conversation. And that slowing down slightly and noticing more and asking more questions of each other and giving each other more choices about the ways in which we might work together, which might not even be having a workshop or having a meeting. It might be something entirely asynchronous. It might be writing letters to each other. It could be working in a Google Doc together. There are so many ways if we look at purpose and pace in a, like a better designed way. It's interesting, isn't it? And then the imagination kicks in when you have that permission and then you find all these different and more creative and exciting and weird ways of collaborating and you end up with this completely different result. One of the speakers at our conference this year is a beautiful friend of mine called Shannon Weber who lives in 
San Francisco is coming out for the conference, so you'll get to meet her, Ka, and so will everyone else. But um, last year, Shannon and I decided we wanted to collaborate on a project by reading a book together in our separate places and agreeing not to speak to each other until the book was finished, but also agreeing that we would send each other a voice memo every week and then respond to that voice memo. So we collected just so many of these voice memos and learnt so much. And I, you know, wouldn't have designed that way of creating the possibility for learning and the possibility for the presentation that we ended up doing at the conference last year. I wouldn't have come up with that if I didn't feel an incredible sense of safety with that other human being and a sense of like love and also just this opportunity to, we could try this, let's try it and see what happens. And if this doesn't work, we could try something else. So is there a bit of that? Like, do we need to give ourselves permission like that in work? I think permission, yes. We need to give ourselves permission and also be open enough and seem approachable enough if we're the facilitators of work that other people can tell us that as well if we don't make that explicit invitation. Because I think sometimes there's a sense of we've organised something, we've invited folks, and their choice is really do I show up or not? Not can I propose something back about an idea I have or a, a different way of working that I've tried before, that I'm just starting to imagine, that I'm wondering about. And it sort of links to, yeah, ask me about all of us before. And one of the things we did in all of us, because it was a virtual process where we were meeting together in a digital way, having lots of text messages and phone calls and sending emails, is as we'd made something that we wanted to try out, we sent a big package in the mail to each of the co-designers. They had some tactile stuff that they could start looking at and playing with and also to show them what the result was of the things they were telling us in their hands and in their letterboxes and the novelty and excitement of doing that. So it's also this kind of moving between the digital and the tactile and the more into digital we get, there is still a role for the tactile. And from a, a design perspective, we need to design that back and not assume because we're working online that there can't be physical things in that too. I love that. It's We find that even in the designing of our conference every year, it's like what are, what's something we can physically send people? So when we moved the conference online during the pandemic, we were thinking what can we send people in the mail that they would actually open and have? And we, you know, created this beautiful card that we could send so people would go to their letterbox and open it up. What was some what was in the parcel? Give us a sense of like if I'm going out to my letterbox, I'm getting excited about opening it. What's in it? So for this particular process, this is where the metaphor of the recipe started to come up. So we gave folks a recipe card and we gave them a little bag that had some different things that could be in the recipe. So they could start to organize and sort what needs to be in a recipe for engaging well together? And what would I bring specifically from my mm. community that would be meaningful to that? We had a, some beautiful cards that thanked people for the work that they had done and that they were about to do. We had some 
cool markers that had a little note on a sticker that sort of said like the editing pen so people would know that they could make some changes yeah so it was it was really about in design language having a prototype of what the guide was going to become and saying thank you and really meaning it it's beautiful and the tactile the actually being able to touch and feel and hold things really really important i love this idea of finding other ways to create and to get to the place that you need to be we've been working a lot on what is the tagline for compassion revolution and i'm not going to tell people what it is because we're going to launch it soon but amy and i sat down and amy's our director of design for social change and we sat in a cafe in victoria and we were tossing ideas around and we had just been to a poetry retreat uh, with a beautiful poet, Pedro Gotuma. And so one of the things we learned there was a particular way of writing a, a poem that had certain rules and structure. And so we used the rules and structure of that poem to write our own about Compassion Revolution and to see if the finished product actually told us what the tagline was, and it did tell us. It told us really, really clearly. And it it was like you wouldn't set out to go, oh, what's the tagline going to be for Compassion Revolution? Let's write poetry. But it felt like the perfect thing to do, and it was so liberating. Padraig is one of my favourite poets, so I'm really (laughs) envious that you got to do that. And I'm also thinking about how... One of the things for our current work, but maybe our future work together too, is to make really visible all the assumptions we've made about how we have to work, hey? Mm-hmm. And so much of this is like our like 1970s or 80s corporate America or something. Like it, it's very much about sameness. It's very much about efficiency. It's very much about people being the same way and communicating in the same way to be acceptable um, in a space and, and listen to But if we can look even just slightly outside of that and say, well, maybe these patterns are a bit tired and a bit limited. And if we look sideways and up and out and around and all around, there are disciplines and ways of working, which in design we would call like lateral or analogous inspirations for saying, well, how is it that poetry comes in? Or how is it that community organizing comes in? Or how do pediatric occupational therapists work with kids and could that be a way that we bring into our work there's so many places if we notice what we have come to think is inherent expected and then like you said give ourselves permission to look outside yeah and have some fun you know have some fun doing it so every time i look at the work that you've done ka or we get a chance to um talk to each other I'm struck by this strong sense that the co-design process is very relational, but it is also what is embedded in that for you is care. And so I think about this way of working that has crept up on us, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s, that is hanging around and is boring, lacks this care, this component of care. If it's possible that we could create a future of work that is beautiful and caring, like what would that look like? Like what what would it look like to have a, I think you say like a gentler, more caring way of working with each other. 
there's a few things that immediately come to mm. mind is I think there would be a, a slower and deeper thought to the ways we start out trying to do a thing together. So we have this thing in so many organizations and work where we rush into what is often a very real need and urgency in, in community in a context, but we meet that with the same level of urgency and reproduce <laughs> A lot of the same dysfunctions and problems yes. of the context they are in us and we kind of reenact them so i see us slowing down when we first start trying to do something together putting aside some of these assumptions and having proper conversations with each other about what what is a way of working that could even be a little bit enlivening for mm -hmm. us and then looking around to see well who is around me who are we going to be together and what are the various accommodations and different things that are needed for us to come and do this work together in a way that doesn't privilege one way of knowing or being or doing, but says there's room here for yeah. people to be different and have different ways of processing and communicating and designing and sharing. And what if the process was flexible enough or the ways we work together were flexible enough to see and value that stuff and not try to flatten it out or homogenize it so i think beginnings could be really different that feels like a really big one it's huge and uh, there's someone in my community who has taught me a lot about that because i traditionally have been someone who the expression people use around me is that i cut to the chase and so over the last few years I have really tried to learn not to do that. And it's been a really interesting process. You know, I'll get into a meeting. It's like, great, great, we're all here. Okay, now I've got some ideas. And um, this person will say, let's just, you know, chat for a little while. Let's just find out how. And so I'm getting a little bit better at that as well. And I think the work benefits from that so much. It does. And there's another big thing which comes up across a lot of my work too, is that when we really start getting into it together to the depth that we need to, and things get quite wobbly, we don't all yet have the skills or we've forgotten them or we haven't been practicing them around taking accountability and seeking accountability of each other. So there's a lot of stuff that we just allow bad treatment of each other, ways in which we undermine each other, even in the same causes. And there's a lot of work, I think, to relearn the language or to look for places in our world in which folks are already practicing accountability and to learn the language for the taking that ourselves when we have harmed someone else, um, when we've overlooked something important. And to do that with more graciousness than just getting embarrassed or offended and and not acting <laughs> and not repairing. Yeah, the repair, the repair. But also there's a graciousness in calling people in as well. And the more I learn about that and practice that, the more I see that we can do that with an extraordinary amount of love. And that in itself can be really powerful. It can be like the beginning of a repair because you're right we f fall back to you know embarrassment shame and then 
trying to push it as far away from us as we possibly can by defending ourselves when really it's this gorgeous opportunity of growth and learning. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking about Vicki Reynolds' wonderful work uh, around justice doing, but particularly learning to notice the tactics that we're using and where calling in works and where it stops working. And there are some contexts in which it, it doesn't work so well. But I'm also wondering about how much we take pause in our work too. So in this speed and in this efficiency kind of thing, the story you told about running into the room and getting started, it's almost like we have forgotten that we can pause and we should be able to ask each other for a pause, particularly if we notice like reactivity creeping up inside of us and it wants to come out, but we need to take a breath or so to say, yeah, I am feeling embarrassed. I know I've done something that's not been useful, but my reactivity has got the better of me and I need to just like breathe a little bit and like settle the body a little bit so I can respond well. And I notice it it doesn't happen a lot that you see folks talking about pausing or practicing pausing in their work. I love that. That like something in my head just went ping. I love this. This could be you know, imagine the world of work, you know, with, that we make work so beautiful that we can actually let each other know that we need to pause, you know, we'll just pause there and that we can support each other to step back as part of how we might respond, repair and grow and that it's completely all right to do that. Mm, yeah. Oh, and what else? What what else in this world of this more gentler world of work where care really gets its rightful kind of place? What else do you think we'll see? I'm thinking about the many folks who are currently excluded from work or mm. work is extremely hard because we still have workplaces that that privilege the sense of you know, well, if you can work hard and you can work fast and you will succeed. I like to think that there would also be forms of work where folks who who may need more rest or more space in the work or more time to process things, to take things in, and for whom certainly full-time work is not an accessible thing in which there's a way of holding each other in that broader work as well and not a way of seeing that some bodies are more effective tools of capitalism <laughs> and some are less and making judgments on the basis of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's almost like a million ways that we can resist the seduction of the capitalist agenda. Like I think I said on a podcast recently talking to Kate Bowles, who you also know um, from New South Wales, and that, you know, capitalism hasn't only seduced us, it's kind of frog-marched us into behaving in certain ways so that every moment of our time is a productive unit that is worth something. And that has been really, really damaging in not only in the end product, but in the way we relate to each other in creating the beautiful work that we have to create. 
I feel it needs to be said to particularly talking about co-design is we still have a reluctant or reluctance to acknowledge the many forms of knowledge that folks bring into mm-hmm. the work. And there is still a real sense of, well, some knowledges are worth more or they deserve to be paid more in the work. And I'm seeing some beautiful glimmers across the system of work that has really sought to say, if we value all knowledges, then what would that mean to to remunerate and recognise that as being such, which is a such a powerful and different thing to saying, well, yeah, lived experience, that's important, but here's a $30 gift card. Mm, mm. We've got a long way to go, but you know what? We've got you and we've got the possibility that we can have deeper, richer, more beautiful conversations at our conference in October, which I am so looking forward to. So I think people are... I think what, what you're going to create is this opportunity, right, for people to maybe think about the way we work and the way we work with each other. Is that kind of where we're going to go with your session? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I think as a start we might all start to notice more what we have come to think the work is or the work has to be and then hear stories and examples and even start to notice in our lives and communities where people are resisting that or practicing different ways or making different alternatives possible so that we can start to bring that into our own work, even if it's just a rehearsal of a a different possible future. Oh, we're going to end there. A rehearsal of a different possible future. Thanks so much, Ka. I have really loved this opportunity to talk to you and I can hardly wait to see you in real life in October at Making Work Beautiful. What an extraordinary conversation that was with K.A. McKercher. If you would like to find out more about the work that K.A. has been doing with New South Wales Ministry of Health, you can Google all of us. It's the statewide framework for engagement of consumers, carers across communities in New South Wales. And I'm sure on K.A. McKercher's LinkedIn page, you'll find a link to that. It's pretty easy to find. Really, really worth checking out. And also K.A.'s book, Beyond Sticky Notes, is fabulous. Okay, when we meet K.A. in Melbourne on the 24th and 25th of October at Making Work Beautiful, I think we will really start to explore what this possible future might look like. Until I see you there, may you be well, may you be happy, and may you feel the care. Bye for now.
So we have this thing in so many organizations and work where we rush into what is often a very real need and urgency in, in community in a context, but we meet that with the same level of urgency and reproduce a lot of the same dysfunctions and problems yes. of the context. They are in us and we kind of reenact them. So I see us slowing down when we first start trying to do something together, putting aside some of these assumptions and having proper conversations with each other about what what is a way of working that could even be a little bit enlivening for mm-hmm. us. And then looking around to see well, who is around me, who are we going to be together and what are the various accommodations and different things that are needed for us to come and do this work together.